Welcome to the Tell Janice Radio Show, where you will hear inspiring stories about life, love, and labor from amazing women to help lift you up. Now, here's your host, Janice. Thanks very much, and welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you're listening, and I'm sure you're going to learn a lot from our guest today. But before we get started, I wanted to remind you that if you know of a fabulous female that you would like me to give a shout-out to with a few words of encouragement, acknowledgement, or congratulations, please let me know their names by clicking on the link at telljanice.com. My guest today is Gail Dale Griffith Stamos, and her company's name is Venice Sky Productions and VEW Productions. She's out of Venice, California. I'm so excited to have her on the show today. She's quite accomplished. Dale is an award-winning playwright and a screenwriter, a producer, a poet, a songwriter, and a writing teacher manuscript consultant. And our topic today is going to be the many sides of Dale. Welcome to the show, Dale. Hi. I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm glad that you're here as well. I like to start the show off by having our guests tell a little bit about themselves. Can you start off with that? Sure. Uh, well, first of all, I can't remember a time when I wasn't a writer. Uh, I published my first poem when I was nine years old, and um, I've always been in love with the word and with writing. Uh, I then found myself also getting interested and in moving into multiple other directions all of which were creative. Um, in high school, I got turned on to um, theater. I was doing a lot of acting and in college as well. And then afterwards, I began to uh, write for theater, writing plays and also writing songs at the same time. And um, so then uh, I've basically been a playwright for a number of years, uh, multiple productions in uh, a both short and long plays. And um, then I had two of my directors um, decide they wanted to move into film, and so they kind of brought me along, asked me to adapt some of my short plays to short films, and we've been doing that. I've been on my third, we we are in post-production for the third uh, short film, and we've been in multiple festivals and won some awards, and so that's been great. And the wildest adventure in my writing life is that I've now just completed writing a... um, a book, uh, a nonfiction book, uh, which I think you can relate to with your talk show. It's about modern-day Renaissance women, and I was able to interview a number of really fascinating ladies, and that book will be coming out um, in uh, probably in March. Wow, that's that's terrific. I was reading about Ren women. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Um, what modern Renaissance women have to teach us about living rich, fulfilling lives. Can you elaborate a little bit more? Yes. Uh, it started uh, it, that my twin brother, who is a co-author on this book, um, basically he had done a – he's an entrepreneur, but he often does – he came from both business and from art school, so he'll often do books, and he's had a few best-selling books uh, in the past – And uh, for his current business, um, he decided to do a book about Renaissance men. Um, He actually has a, a, um, what what do you call it? It's a um, a men's salon that he has for, men's hair salon, that he has multiple stores and he's franchised it and everything. But he'll often have sort of a book that's related to his business. And he wanted to do a book about Renaissance men because he felt that was man at his best. Um, and he hired an author to work with him, 
And uh, after which, a lot of people started saying, well, what about the women? What about the women? And my brother came to me and he said, yes, Dale, what about the women? And he uh, basically brought me on board to write uh, the book about the women. And it's been an exciting process of you know, how one woman will then recommend another woman or someone will call us and say, oh, you have to interview this woman. And, um, you know, and then I, I watched a wonderful film called Femme, Women Healing the World by a filmmaker named Emmanuel Etier, and we drew uh, some of our women from from there. And so, you know, now we have a whole book not only about the women, but about what it means to be a Renaissance woman, what that is in today's world. Were there Renaissance women in the past? Which, by the mm -hmm. way, there were, and quite a few. Um, what What do we do to encourage young women to, to you know, to live what we call a Ren life? Um, so it's been a really exciting project. Oh. I've really enjoyed it. It sounds like it. I I find that it's amazing how you start one project and how it came to you, you know, with yeah. your brother's book. And then, then it blossoms out to all of these other women that you get in contact with or they contact you. It's sort yeah. of the domino effect in a really grand way. Yes, and I imagine that's exactly what happens for you, you know, with, with the women that come to you or are recommended to you. It's that domino effect, exactly. And then you have no idea you know, what is going to open up. I mean, one of these women has become a very close friend. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, it, yeah, it just opens up things that you would have not expected. So as much as I was afraid, I have to say I was afraid to write a nonfiction book, I'd never done it. And um, so, you know, half the time in the process I'm going, do I know what I'm doing? But ultimately, yes, I, I, I feel that I did know what I was doing. People who've read the book so far, who've kind of beta read the book, have loved it, have really raved about it, which just makes me feel wonderful. And I think my main, my main focus was to do right by the women. That was what I wanted to do. I wanted to do right by them. I wanted to tell their stories in a way that would be true to their lives and would inspire others. Mm-hmm. And this, this is these are women like worldwide, right? It's not well. Just... We 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 did sort of focus some of them. Yes, some of them mm -hmm. live uh, uh, abroad. Um, actually, only one of them does. A Lori Carnoff, who I love it. She is an explorer. She's a professional explorer. She was president of the Explorers Club in New York City, but she does live abroad much of much of the time. She lives in Germany with her husband. But we did decide, at least for this book, and you know, if we do another one, perhaps we'll go even wider with a wider net. But we we pretty much stuck with with U.S. women, um, some on the East Coast, some on the West Coast. Um, yeah, so we 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 stayed in we stayed with that group of women. And we have so much that we can help our children with, our especially our daughters. I have a daughter and. Um, just to share all of that, I can't wait to read it. When does it come oh. out? Well, we're planning for it to come out in early spring, so probably in March. Um, I imagine April would be the latest, but March is, is the plan for, for book launch. That's great. How many women did you interview for that? We interviewed 16 women. Um, wow. two, two of them are mother-daughter, 
which is really interesting because when we interviewed the mother, she said, oh, you need to talk to my daughter. She's a young Wren woman, and we really wanted to represent all ages. We have we have our youngest, she was 29 at the time, 28 or 29 at the time that I interviewed her, and our oldest one, well, she probably wouldn't want me telling you, so I'm not going to tell you her name right now, but she's 100 years old. And she Amazing. is still going strong. I mean, totally going strong. So we have the whole gamut, you know, which is great. But you asked me, oh, 16 women. And then we have another chapter where we group three women together because they all work on this wonderful project called the My Hero Project together, and they really wanted to be interviewed together. So we have that as a chapter called Ren Women Times Three. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. What a great concept, too. Well, and part of the idea, too, is, you know, and I felt it when, when you know, you said the theme is the many sides of Dale. You know, we start out, both my brother and I, you know, we're told by our mother, you know, you you can, what, what's the old expression of uh, a jack of all trades, master of none? And mm-hmm. I have a, you know, in the preface, I say uh, mistress of many and with Scott, master of many, because both of us have gone in multiple directions. And this concept that you can only gain mastery in one field and that you're limited to that is, to me, false, Um there's no reason, you know, if you, as my Angelou said, if you don't put, if you put the effort into it and, and, and enough energy into it, that you can't master multiple things, especially in today's age where knowledge is at, you know, the, the touch of a finger on your computer, you know. So, so I, I celebrate, and I also celebrate the specialists in the world because we need them, but I celebrate mm-hmm. the women and the men who, who, who know that they can spread their wings into multiple areas and gain all kinds of, you know, life ful- fulfillment from that. Exactly. And I I think many of us were raised as I was, you know, to try to mm-hmm. sort of pigeonhole and find find one thing and stay with it. And I've learned through talking to all the women that I've interviewed, inclusive of you, um, yeah. that the theme, the theme is just what you said, is diversify and, and try many things. You, you never know until you try it. And look right. how many things you've done. I mean, it's amazing Thank what you. you've done. Thank you. Um, well, now you have a short film, um, Unintended. Yes. Is, that, is that completed? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, it is. Um, well, first of all, it, yes, it's a short film. We are in post-production, so we've done our okay. principal shooting, and um, we are currently in post. Um, post, of course, means the editing, the sound editing, adding any music, titles, so forth and so on, um, and that often takes you know, quite a while. It's, uh, yet again, every film that I've done has been an adaptation of a short play. I was really glad that I'd written like 25 short plays because I have a lot to access for these short films, although we are intending to go into feature films at some point in the near future. But this one is exciting for me. It, it, the play from which it came, which was called The Unintended Video, uh, was um, a Heidemann Award winner early in my career. And the Heidemann Award 
is a really prestigious award from Actors Theatre of Louisville. It's competition for 10-minute plays. And the reason it was so important to me, I mean, there were something like 1,800 people who entered this competition. Um, You get a $1,000 award, which, you know, for a young playwright, that's like, wow. And um, although I I shared it with a quite well-known playwright, so we both got 500. But... um, it, it it was the first thing in my career that made me realize that I really, truly was a playwright um, because it happened early. So mm-hmm. that was an amazing experience. We, we we went out there. They put us up. They, you know, they wined and dined us, you know, my husband and I. And then they published it, which was really great. Um, so that's it's gone all over the world, being done all over the world. Japan, I think it was done wow. in, in I'm thinking South Africa, but I may be wrong, but it's been done, you know, many places because the plays from Actors Theatre of Louisville tend to be very popular. So when it came down to choosing our third film, um, now my production company, I have two productions, Venice Sky Productions, which I started when I realized that not only did I want others to produce my work, but I occasionally wanted to do it myself because I was able to have a lot more creative control that way. And so... I formed a company with my last play that was in production was called One White Crow at Edgemore Center for the Arts in um, in Santa Monica. It was produced by them. And um, I got along so well and had worked before with the director. And also the actress was absolutely phenomenal. And we formed this new production company called View Productions, as you said, V-E-W, mm. we, we call it VIEW, but View. I kind of came up with this idea because I thought, what represents the three of us, these three women artists? And I realized that V would represent vision, which would be the vision of the director. E would represent expression, which would be the expression of the actress, how the actress interprets the role. And W mm-hmm. would be the word, which, of course, would be the screenplay. So that's how we came up with View Productions. So we des- I decided to adapt Unintended Video into Unintended. And we were really lucky because I don't know how many folks out there uh, watch the very popular show Scandal, but mm-hmm. um, but it's a guilty pleasure for me and, um, <laughs> and my director as well. And we realized that the person we wanted to cast in the principal male role was one of the actors on that show. And just blindly, we sent the screenplay to him, to him and to his manager, you know, just hoping against hope. And he said yes. So we were thrilled. His name is Jeff Perry. And on Scandal, he plays uh, the uh, chief of staff of the president. And he's amazing. But he also had a huge theatrical background. He was a co-founder of... Um, Steppenwolf Theater Company. So uh, we just knew that he'd be a delight to work with, and he was. And so uh, that's who came on board with us. And then we had Jane Heideck, who is my co-producer in the starring female role. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're very excited about it and looking forward to entering it into multiple festivals and seeing what happens. Well, that's that sounds terrifically exciting. Do you um, was that kind of your aha moment when when or, or maybe you can tell us and tell our listeners what your aha moment was when it all came together for you? 
Like, hey, I can do this. You mentioned, hey, I can do this. Yeah, and it's funny because, again, I would imagine some of your listeners may may relate to this. You know, writing, it's funny because I had, again, one of my other many hats that I've worn, I actually studied um, languages in, in university. So I was a French major, and then I did a master's in romance languages. And then I was teaching French for a while and occasionally Spanish. And so the thing about going to college, even teaching, most jobs, they are about getting little stars on your forehead. You know, people, mm-hmm. you get A's in college. You get praise from your superiors at a job, so forth and so on. Writing is not like that. Writing is flinging yourself into the vast unknown. You know, there's just no guarantee. First of all, you could be fooling yourself. You could be completely without talent. And second of all, even if you have talent, you may never get produced or may never get read or whatever. It's a very scary thing. So when I first started out, yes, I kept saying to myself, you know, what am I doing? Do I have any clue? Mm-hmm. Am, I, am I a good writer? Am I, you know, all of these questions. Um, you know, I also teach at the Santa Barbara Writers Conference, and I was a student there for years and years and years. And I have to say that they helped me enormously because I started getting recognition there. Um, you know, I won some awards there, and people started saying, oh, you're really good. And until you get, and then yes, the Heidemann Award was hugely, um, <laughs> hugely important in my life. And so yes, there. I think it was a combination of some of those things. And you know, then I began to get some productions of, and so forth. You begin to realize, okay, I do know what I'm doing, and that's a great turning point because then you have some authority in your work. And I'm a mm-hmm. huge collaborator. I change things. I rewrite things. I work with people. I listen to every good comment that comes my way. I reject the bad ones, you know, but I take the good ones. And and that's a learning process, too. <laughs> learning how to do that is really tricky. Um, it is. But, but I can collaborate because I'm sure of what what the core of my work is about. And so you have to sort of get to that place of confidence, and it, it takes a while. Yeah, it it does, and it's a it's a process over time. You mentioned that you were nine years old and you started writing poetry. What was your like? Not we're not talking about age here because I'm not interested in that. And but yes. what was kind of the first thing that you wrote that you also decided, hey, you know, they liked it. It 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 worked. I think I can do this. Like how old well, were you? Well, I was in my early twenties. I was, um, see, I never thought I could write theater. I was writing music at the time. And um, and I had acted in theater. And to me, playwrights were like gods. You know, they were like, oh, there's no way in the world I could ever be one of those. And I was acting in this show, and the director of the show said, you know what, you know, you write poetry and you write music. She said, why don't we collaborate on a show together it'll be short pieces it'll be short you know uh, scenes and and then poetry and music we'll just put it all together in an evening and I said well I've never written you know for theater and she says well give it a try so that's how I got into it and that was my first realization because we invited audiences to this and I got hooked and especially when you see an audience responding you know it was probably 
fairly amateurish at the time, but but the audiences tended to like it. And I thought, oh, oh, I, I think I want to do this. This is I like this. And so I started taking all of these playwriting classes at that point. Took one at UCLA that was uh, run by a gentleman named Jerry Fay, who then would invite those who he felt had promise into his private uh, writing group. And so I was with that group for many years. So I think that those that that first production in that first little theater in Orange County, California, was probably when I realized I might be able to do this thing. Wow, that was your affirming moment right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you you mentioned your mother being a very um, inspirational person in your life and that of your brothers. Um, What one thing, if I had to, if I asked you, and I am, what one um, thing has she taught you or what virtue or rule about life did she instill in you? What would the first thing that comes to mind? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is that she had utter confidence in me. You know, I may not have had that confidence in myself, um, and I would always tease her because she bragged something crazy. You know, she would say, my daughter speaks three languages fluently. And I would say, no, Mom, I speak one fluently, another one well. I've got a smattering of the third, you know. (laughs) But she, you know, but the fact that she had that kind of pride in what I did, and these were pride in things that sometimes weren't her own personality I remember at some point she said to me, Dale, I can't believe that you persist the way you do. And I said, well, what do I mean? She says, I would have crumbled after the first rejection. And she said, but you just keep coming back. And, and now, look, you're, you're having success. So my mother was, I guess I'd have to say, my biggest fan, you know. And mm-hmm. so having a mother who, who believes in you that deeply you know mm-hmm. uh, whether you yet believe in yourself um is is really is really important you know and she she was a person who was so good with people was an extrovert a complete extrovert and i'm an, i'm basically an introvert as most writers are um so mm-hmm. i learned a lot about extroversion and how getting to know people and getting and being interested in them she would always say ask them questions, ask about them, learn about them, you know. And so that was another thing I think that was really important that she taught me. Well, that's that's great. I've asked that question to a lot of the females that I've interviewed, and it's interesting because um, my mom was an introvert, but she uh-huh. yeah, she did for me what your mother has has done in the past for you, which is terrific. Mm-hmm. But I also have learned from my father. And some of the women that I've in, interviewed, they'll they say, "No, I didn't learn from my mom. Mostly, I learned from my dad." And then, I, and then there's I would say the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I would. Say, I mean, as really much blessed. as I learned from my mother, my my mm-hmm. father was my deepest influence. Yeah, and and I think we're really blessed to have that because I also have interviewed people who didn't have that, and despite whatever they've gone through, they didn't have either one, and they've mm. risen above and been, you know, and done what they wanted to do out of life. Yeah. So that yeah. that's, that's terrific. Well, I'm I can't wait to um to read your book and um to see Unintended. That sounds <laughs> really really. But back to back to your writing. One last question for you. Um, yes. What do you enjoy working? Um, or working with and guiding other writers? Since you've done 
all these things, what yeah. are the few things that you love about that? I have to say that I love teaching and working with writers pretty much as I'm as much as I love writing. Um I I started doing this at the Santa Barbara Writers Conference and I do occasionally have my own workshops and do presentations for writers groups and so forth and I work privately as a manuscript consultant. And um what I found when I first began to teach is, and I teach a class called Story Structure for All Genres, because I realized dramatic structure, which is what playwrights and screenwriters deal with, applies to all the genres, be mm-hmm. it um, fiction, nonfiction, memoir, um, so forth. And um, what I found was that after going through years and years of being in workshops, I began to sort of conceive in my own mind what my dream workshop would be like. If I were to run a workshop, what would it be like? So when I had the opportunity, it was so satisfying. Um, one of the biggest things that I realized I wanted to do was never tramp on a writer's vision, to mm-hmm. always honor whatever their vision was, whatever was at the core of their work, to not, to not mess with that but to help them find the ways to best express that vision. Um, and so I really enjoy you know, watching the writers sort of get it, have these little moments of epiphanies, understand you know, what it is that we're talking about in our workshops and, and mm-hmm. you know, really listening and hearing. The trick is not to have a writer shut down with criticism. You need to do it in a way that makes them feel excited to go back to the page, you know, right. not, not, not afraid to go back to the page. And so I just found that, that you know, not to brag, but that I, I really sort of had a natural gift for this, and I really, really enjoy doing it. It, it sounds like, and I think that's the key is it, for whatever age you are finding your gifts, and there could be many. There doesn't have to be just one gift, and that you're, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I've really enjoyed talking with you. I wish we could, you know, I could talk for another 30 minutes with you. Um, (laughs) How can our listeners get in touch with you? Yes, they can get in touch with me. Uh, Let me give a few few things. First of all, they can personally get in touch with me at my email address of DGS. Those are my initials, D as in dog, G as in go, S as in Sam. And then the word writer, W-R-I-T-E-R, at gmail.com. Also, I would advise anyone curious about Wren Women to go to www.wrenwomen.com and uh, check out our website. We also have a Facebook page and a Twitter page, which again is Facebook Wren Women, Twitter Wren Women, and um, uh, what what else? Oh, and you know, if they go to Facebook, we'd love for them to like the page. Comments are welcome. I have a blog that is on the uh, website. Comments for that are welcome. Uh, I will always respond. And um, I think that's, yeah, those are all the contact info. That's great. Well, thank you for providing that, too. It's been great having you on the show. Thank you so much, Dale. You're welcome. And and by the way, you know, we will be having some uh, potential free giveaways of the book. So people should keep their eyes out uh, in the information I gave you to see if there are, there are any giveaway contests that we do. 
Well, perfect. I, I hope that they reach out and, and look at your Facebook page. I certainly will, too, and I can't wait for it to come out. But thanks again for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Great. I've been talking with Dale Griffith Stamos, and we are going to take a short break, so please stay tuned. Every three minutes, another woman gets the news that she has breast cancer. And here are some of the first words she hears. Hertenew oncogene, aromatase inhibitor, ductal carcinoma in situ. What do these words mean? How are you going to decide what to do if you can't even say what you have? Listen to me, Shirley Jones. As soon as you get your diagnosis, go to breastcancer.org. It's a special place on the Internet where you can learn how to say all those breast cancer words and find out what they mean. At breastcancer.org, you can learn more about your particular kind of cancer and your treatment options. Prepare a list of questions for your next doctor's visit and get all kinds of other useful information to guide you and your family through this. Breastcancer.org, the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. You've been listening to the Tal Janice Radio Show. If you'd like to be a guest or suggest a guest for the show, or if you would like to nominate a fabulous female for a shout-out by Janice on the live show, please visit www.talljanice.com. Please share this episode with your social network and help us lift women up. Join us next week for another episode of Tell Janice. Welcome to the Tell Janice Radio Show, where you will hear inspiring stories about life, love, and labor from amazing women to help lift you up. Now, here's your host, Janice. Thanks very much, and welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you're listening, and I'm sure you're going to learn a lot from our guest today. But before we get started, I wanted to remind you that if you know of a fabulous female that you would like me to give a shout-out to with a few words of encouragement, acknowledgement, or congratulations, please let me know their names by clicking on the link at telljanice.com. <laughs> 